Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now, the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to The Paddock in the Pavilion with Stephen Wallace. In each show, Stephen will interview someone connected to the world of horse racing or cricket. Hello everyone. Royal Ascot is just around the corner. And I have a trio of podcasts to celebrate this world-class meeting. The first of our treble is with young Newmarket-based trainer Harry Eustace. As part of our What Was It Like To series, I asked him about his 2022 Royal Ascot Triumph in the Palace of Holyrood House Stakes with Latin Lover. This episode is brought to you in collaboration with Great British Racing International. Great British Racing International is British Horse Racing's dedicated service provider committed to helping international parties navigate the networks that make up this world-leading industry and promoting stories from within British racing to a global audience. Let's hear Harry's story. What was it like to train a winner at Royal Ascot? Uh, well, uh, it was sort of everything everything you'd hope it would be, uh, to be honest. Um, it was hugely exciting. And uh, a big plus was that the, the owners got as excited. Uh, and so, uh, you know, when they get as much out of it as you do, it's it's sort of even better, really. Yeah, I've seen those uh, pictures or those videos uh, about the owners when they're, when they're shouting yeah, but, at the end of the race. Yeah, the very shrewd wife of one of the owners filmed us from start to finish of the race. And it's it's a great, uh, it's actually a great video. And it's, you know, obviously everyone watches the race replay, but watching us through it's quite fun too. So um, it, that is, it must be something you dream of when you start training there to have a winner at Royal Ascot it's you know it's the it's the pinnacle meeting um it might 
you know there are other individual races as well but if there's a meeting you could have a, a winner at you know I would say 90% of trainers would would argue that that Ascot would be it and so to to have one was incredibly special and we sort of didn't really dare hope until we sort of got right up until the day you know it's it's tough just getting horses there with good chances let alone let alone sort of being competitive and, and winning so um that was great yeah and in your second season uh the first run of you had at, you've had at royal ascot what was it like that the jump from being an assistant trainer with william haggis and working all around the world to taking over from your father you know i actually didn't find it a big jump um it, it's obviously it's you're busy in different ways i mean uh, when we work for William, there's a lot more horses and there's a lot more um, to organise from that point of view. Um, and having worked for William and Christoph in America and 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 just tried to give myself the best grounding I could, it, it set me up well to start to start training. Um, and. I was obviously very lucky because I was taking over a, a business that was running previous to me. And so I aimed really about not messing it up rather than having to start it all from scratch, which I'm sure made a, made a massive difference and allowed me a lot more time just to concentrate on, on, on the training, the horses. Let's just talk about the, the horse, the backstory of the horse. How did Latin lover come to be at Park Lodge? Well, we've Hubie de Burr and David McGuinness to thank for that. Um, Hubie's been a fantastic supporter of mine from from when we started. And David uh, had previously been an owner in Ireland and had moved to London and was keen to have a couple of horses in training with some younger trainers to get a sort of as much fun out of it as he could. And very lucky for me, Hubie picked myself and, and George Scott uh, as the two two entertainers for him and um they asked me to go and have a look at latin lover as a yearling and i liked him but i said you know i think he's going to cost a bit more than than the budget uh but you know drive on if you can and then um i was i actually wasn't with him with them when they bought him i was scrolling through the the results to see how he'd gone through. And when I saw how much he'd made, I got straight on the phone to congratulate them and um, actually ended up taking a leg myself, which was, which turned out to be a lucky touch as well. So uh, that, that's how it all, all came about really. Was it 21,000? I think it. Yeah. 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 And what were your first impressions of him? Well, he was just, everyone says it, but he was just quite a good looking horse. Um, he was he was pretty well bred, Star Spangled Banner out of a out of a winning Shaman Almere and um he, he walked well enough, had a bit of strength and and just like looked like a horse that at that value certainly would be fun. I don't think any of us would would claim, you know, we looked at him and thought Royal Ascot necessarily, but um, you know, he looked early enough and that he'd give David enough entertainment at two. And um you know, if we were lucky and he grew a bit, uh, he'd give us a bit of sport at three as well, which he certainly did. Well, he ran six times as a two-year-old and he won at Beverly. Uh, 
what were your thoughts at the end of the first campaign? That he needed gelding. Um, he was always very laid back at home and he'd sort of every so often show a bit, but you'd sort of have to make him do it. And actually from his, from his, from his very first start as a two-year-old, he ran all his races bar one wearing blinkers. And it certainly wasn't a sort of a sign of bad attitude, but as I said, he was just laid back and to just give him every chance he wore those. So we were keen that he'd be gelded through the winter. And as is invariably the case, um, you know, it does help a lot of those Colts um, just channel their concentration a bit better. And, and, and so that appeared. And Royal Ascot, I read you very nearly didn't, didn't run him at all. He wasn't scheduled to run there. Um, I had made the entry but I, I sort of, he obviously won the week before and, and the plan really, or the hope had been that he'd be good enough before then to have got himself in. And I just wasn't sure if we had sort of enough in hand and and, and it had been the right plan to sort of lay out for a, a race like that. You know, I've worked for William long enough to know how hard it was to win any race at Ascot, let alone you know, handicaps. So I'd, luckily I had made it. But after he'd won, he'd pulled up great. And I'd said to the boys, you know, we're looking for a five furlong, stiff five furlong handicap for three-year-olds. And I went through the calendar and there isn't another one apart from Goodwood, I think. Um, and that's quite sharp. So, uh, but I wasn't sure. And then I did, I woke up in the middle of the night before deck time, just sort of, luckily and just decided you know we are in the race i'm looking for and and so we will declare and and then it was a matter of getting in and we were we were the last we were the last to get in so um obviously with the penalty that just scraped us in so so that was a big relief at the time and the owners have got to get their top hat and tails ready you've got to give them enough time yeah well that was the thing i didn't really i they all they said when I made the entry, you know, should we be renting tails and top hats and stuff? And I said, well, just hang on a minute. I haven't decided if we're running yet or not. So I was, they had the late last minute call up as well. So I did, I got a bit of grief for that, but uh, thankfully it was all forgotten about. And did Haley get the last minute call up? Because George Wood had ridden Latin lover most times before that. Yeah. Unfortunately for George, he couldn't do the weight. And so uh, Haley, who'd been, um, riding a lot for me that season got the call up and and to be honest it's the only time she's ever sat on him before or since so um it was just one of those and 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 it all it all came off well but um you know it definitely helped that you know she'd been riding for us that year and and sort of knew enough about the horse even if she hadn't sat on him race day 17th of june i'll come back to that day later five to one he was he was fancied though yeah getting into the race sort of felt like a win so you know after that you go through any field at Ascot and it's obviously very competitive and so it was sort of hard to judge where we would end up but on the day price wise tipped us and 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 it sort of gave us a bit of confidence 
but we'd been watching we thought we were drawn well and then we were watching the racing and then it and then maybe we weren't drawn well and and we were sort of unsure about the draw which you know you just have to get lucky with and sort of as it turned out we were just about okay but we thought we were good but actually stand side ended up being i think the better side to be drawn but we were we just managed to sort of track it across mid race enough to be able to sort of challenge with them so so it worked out well in the end and was it always the plan to come late because he didn't take the lead until about 100 yards from home yeah he's a curious horse in that he's always been very sharp away and he travels very strongly but we had run him over six a few times and he'd run well so we were very confident that he'd stay the five very strongly so we didn't want to take away one of his positive assets which was jumping well and traveling but after that and this is where Haley's always been very good is, is, you know, timing your challenge at Ascot, you do have to just take your time. And as I've said, um, he is definitely better running at horses than, than being sort of leading them all the way. And so um, it sort of just worked out well in the end that we had something to aim at, you know, very late on. And what were the celebrations like after the race and through the evening? Well, David went mad. Well, we all went mad, but David in particular. And then, and then it's and then it's the hustle down to to the paddock and and the winners' enclosure and and trophy ceremonies. It was really nice, actually. I walked, I met the horse under the grandstand, and a few of my friends and and my my ex boss William Haggis and his wife they they congratulated us there, which was you know a very special moment, and. Um, and then coming in with the horse was was very special. And then and then we just watched the replay on loop about fifty times in the in the in the winning connections lounge at Ascot. And then, you know, as most people do, we headed back to the car park, had a few drinks there and and celebrated it. And and it was fantastic. But unfortunately it was the Friday, not the Saturday, because if it was the Saturday, we'd have disappeared into London. But being Friday, we had to be back for work on the Saturday morning. So so we did get back that, that that night in the end and got home and watched it a couple more times and had a couple more drinks and went to bed, to be honest. We were absolutely knackered. I bet. Because your dad had won the Royal Hunt Cup back in 1998, actually on the 17th of June. Is that right? That's right. Is yeah. that right? I had I to don't check that. Yeah. Clock that. I'll have to tell him. <laughs> i'll have to tell him that that's i had to check that i hope i'm right now i did check it about three or four yeah, times no, no, so, yeah. that could well be right i'll have a look and if it is yeah. we, all miss <laughs> we all miss that that'd be very interesting <laughs> do remember it we were at school we actually watched it we were at a friend's house obviously mum and dad were at ascot and um you know we we got more excited than they did um but when we got home we we printed lots of posters and and had all the celebrations ready for for when dad got home but we hadn't seen him all day because of course we'd left for school he'd left for for the races and so it wasn't until he got back very late that uh, we could celebrate with him and and then we watched the replay quite a few times yeah so were you were allowed to watch at school or had school finished no school had finished and we'd watched it at our friend's house yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so that was great we watched it there and obviously we got a lot more excited than they did because they didn't really know what was going on, but we managed to celebrate with mum and dad when 
when they got back. But that was a very special day, yeah. And was it always the intention then for the horse to be sold? The plan had actually, he had, he was entered in the July sales sort of way before he'd won or gone to Ascot. And there had been, David had considered running him, sorry, selling him at the end of the two-year-old year. And I'd said, you know, I think, you know, with the gelding, there's a bit of improvement to come. So let's wait. But that July sale might not be a bad option because he likes fast ground and, and he just might suit, you know, some of the countries that are looking to pick up horses at the moment. Um, it was a tricky decision, obviously, once he'd won. But we just felt um, that we should let him go to the sales and let's just see what the market dictates. And obviously, we can be quite aggressive and protect him to a certain amount. You know, and then at some point, there is a value on him and, and we'll see we'll see what happens. Um, and, you know, David put a figure on and, and we went, you know, quite a bit past that. Uh, and frankly, you know, everyone everyone was happy, you know, with the result. And it was probably easier for me to let him go owning a leg. It probably made the decision a little bit easier. Otherwise, it probably would have been quite bittersweet. Even Well, it was anyway, but it would have been tougher if, you know, replacing horses like that's tough. So. But the result must have given, you know, the win at Royal Ascot must have given the, the stable a real lift for the rest of the season. Yeah, it was a big, it was a big result. It, lots of people can train and, you know, lots of people await for you to be able to train on the, a winner on the big stage and to get one so early in our, our career was, was a massive boost to the business. And, and thankfully that's been portrayed as well. And we've been well supported by some, some lovely owners. So uh, now we're just going to need to find the next one. You mentioned it earlier, but what makes Royal Ascot such a special meeting? Um, I suppose it's it's a bit a bit like Cheltenham in that you know I feel it's the most competitive, and because it's the most competitive, it's the hardest to win at. They mean the most, uh, and it's very international, which brings another sort of flavour to it. And it's Ascot itself. It's all, it, you know, it's it's everything that comes with Ascot as well. It's a beautiful race course. It's, you know, it's the most recognised, I think, outside of racing. And so it's the biggest stage to win on, really, from a trainer's point of view as a festival. Um, and so uh, getting a winner there more more than anywhere else, I think, was was big, you know. Well, best of luck for the future and hopefully you can get some more winners at Royal Ascot. Uh, and thank you for sharing your What Was It Like To moment. Pleasure. Thanks very much. Thank you for listening to The Paddock and the Pavilion. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at The Pad and Pav. Don't forget, if you like the show, please do leave us a rating and review. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. 
That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.